We have an opportunity here to bring presence to the ceremony that is your life. And my invitation to you is to stop whatever you're doing, wherever you are, just for this one precious moment and take a deep breath. Follow the breath into your root point and land yourself right here, right now, into your present moment. And exhale. Welcome to the space where all the magic is happening and prepare yourself to receive the wild, raw expanse that is available inside the dojo that is your life. You are the empowered center point creator of every single experience that you are drawing into your field at this time. When you recognize that and really get that in your bones, you will receive yourself as the magnet for the most perfectly expansive evolutionary curriculum that is precisely crafted for you to evolve beyond what was in order to claim all that is a match to the you who is free. And that is what we are here to do inside the dojo as we explore what it means to live a life beyond the edge. This is a Soul Fire production. I am stoked to announce that the Digital Dojo is back and it's happening at 4 p.m. Pacific on December 28th. The Digital Dojo is a profoundly transformational online experience that invites you to expand beyond your fear-based edges in real time. It's a totally emergent and unpremeditated experience that allows us to truly meet and support what's actually alive on the day of the dojo. From deep cathartic breakthroughs to hilarious spontaneous freestyles, I'm always blown away by the magic and expanse that occurs inside. If you're ready to step up and claim your most liberated self as we move into 2023, while being deeply supported by myself and a masterful guardianship team, now is the time. It's only $55 to join and the link to grab your spot is in the show notes. I hope to see you inside. Hello, Dojo family. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness, (laughs) my Lord. Oh, the words elude me, which is rare, as all of you know, to even begin to describe the depth of love, reverence, care, and respect that I hold for this woman. Angelica Alana, we have been walking together through this lifetime for many, many years, six or seven years now. And it feels like, I don't know, this might be our thousandth lifetime together or something. Because from the moment we met <laughs> sitting in that kitchen, just dropped in into an instant place of authenticity and oracular vision for one another. Like this woman is one of the most in the word seer, when I say the word seer, I hold that in high regard to call anyone like a seer. And I would say Angelica is one of the beings in my life that I would give that name. Like she, this woman is a seer, her oracular sense and intuitive sense is, I mean, I would say magic. Like it's almost otherworldly, the place from which you channel. The place from which you speak Mm -hmm. is otherworldly. And I think anyone who knows you would agree with me that a one minute dose of a transmission in language coming through you, because it's so much more than the language. It's the energy that you lace your language with the energy that's behind the language that you speak with such precision and such a divine design to everything that comes through you and flows through you that even a one minute dose, like you sent me a two and a half minute birthday note or something the other day. And I like, I need to play it back multiple times (laughs) just to actually let it integrate what comes through you. And that's like in the form of a birthday message. If you can imagine being on the other side of her with the intention of like her healer, her channel, her empowerment facilitator, her sensualist and all that you bring, this woman Mm. goes there 
This woman mm. goes there within herself to clear out that vessel. I know you just got out of a really deep fast and cleanse. She goes there to clear out her vessel. She goes there to touch the wild edges of her own consciousness and her own, you know, fear-based edges to expand into territories that allow her to hold with the integrity that she does first for herself and then for all those around her. And Angel, I adore you. You're one of my best friends on the planet. And I'm so grateful to have you here, not just as my friend and my sister, but as my ally whose medicine, it is my pleasure and honor to amplify at this time. So um, with that, I'd love to invite you to share your intention and like why for being here and bringing your your medicine and heart to this episode in the dojo family mm, my gosh speaking of transmission <laughs> damn when zahara zimring gets you in her paws <laughs> lordy lordy wow just receiving that medicine thank you sister to be seen by you in this lifetime is such a fucking privilege like wow you're so moved by your seeing ah yeah when we sat in prayer together before hitting record the intention that came through when i really asked myself like what am i willing to allow myself to receive actually because i'm learning more and more and more that it is in the receiving that i serve and that that is where the greatest medicine comes from my word this year was listen because i know that if I listen to myself, my body, to spirit, the people around me, the moment, everything else is easier or irrelevant. And from that place, I can truly serve. And so when I kind of asked myself around or when you invited me to ask, what is my intention? What came through was to awaken my consciousness through this conversation, to feel awakened by you and more deeply awakened through our connection and then my hope and prayer is that the ripple effect through that is that all that all those who hear these words also feel more deeply awakened at another level and it's funny right because it feels kind of lofty but we get to be lofty <laughs> with our intentions it's like well i always ask people what do you most want from this session even if it feels unrealistic quote unquote whatever the fuck that means but like yeah, the energy that you hold allowed me to be lofty with my intentions. Oh. So there it is. <laughs> yes, to loft in this space. And <laughs> it's, it's ironic because, you know, you're pinging back to me and my consciousness is expanding through receiving your intention. And the way that's occurring for me is it's reminding me of the depth of my own intention for the Dojo podcast. And which includes all of you who are listening right now. So I invite you all to join Angel and I in dropping into your own intention for bringing your most precious gift, which is your, your most valuable resource, your awareness, your attention here right now. You're listening to this. You are bringing your most valuable resource, which is your attention when where you choose to point it right here. And we don't take that for granted. So I invite you to tune into your intention, your why for being here and the depth of receiving that you're pulling right now. You have an opportunity to bring more potency and depth to your receiving and the expansion of your awareness in the same way that Angel and I are together. Our intentions all ping off one another, you know, and I noticed that a lot with you, Angel, that we amplify each other. You know, we have this, I'm, you know, we, our charts, our astrological charts are similar with our strongly scorpionic essences and, you know, that oppositional energy with your Taurus moon. We just, we really kind of illuminate. We always have for each other, you know, where the next evolution wants to happen and the depth of respect that we share for one another is, it's like, it really allows for that expanse to occur. And as I receive your transmission, something that's happening in me, and you know, this is the dojo emergent field guys, everyone listening, like it's actually inviting me to slow down into a deeper space of stillness and noticing the parts in me that want to move fast, that mm. want to get ahead. And the truth is guys, Angel and I have no plan. We have no idea where this is <laughs> going to go. We're really just showing up to meet the moment in its true, most raw aliveness. And so I wonder if all of us 
present here can actually access in real time a deeper relationship, a deeper receptivity to what's actually here in your moment. <sighs> so what have been some of the fruits of slowing down into a deeper listening, which was your word for this year. And I know you just got out of a significant fast and cleanse, which calls for a lot of slowness and stillness. And you're anchoring in a new home in the mountains in Boulder, where there's a lot of space for solitude. And there's a turning point in your life I'm aware of from, you know, maiden to mother that you're in at this time. And so I wonder if we could start by actually hearing you share a little bit. It's it's kind of a tough one because it's like, let's talk about silence. Let's bring in, you know, let's allow where we actually are to be the transmission. And I'm feeling that as soon as we got on today, I could feel like, wow, like you're coming out the other end of a fast. The eclipse portals have been significant. The body was going through some stuff yesterday. So like, let's speak from what's actually here and what you're learning in this turning point moment of your life about receptivity, listening, silence, stillness. Yeah. Mm. Wow. It's so rich. It's so rich. It has made me think of this idea behind meditation ultimately that there is an inherent aliveness to nothingness that the void is actually full i was in india just last month with bob thurman and he was talking about a concept that really helped that click in for me because i had touched the idea that the emptiness the void is inherently alive but he took it a step further and he said that when we touch that place inside of ourselves through deep silence, stillness, and awareness practice, that it is so full and abundant, actually, that it doesn't need to do anything. There is no movement. There is no happening because it's so happening. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around, but that is how full the void is. The void is all things all happening all at once, the emptiness of potential, the stage upon which everything arises. And there's this richness, there's this fullness. We think of the void as dark and empty and it is, but it's so full that there is nothing needed, <laughs> if that, you know? And that I think is what I have been tasting is that there is such richness in letting go in it's like all these words at least I thought I knew and understood and I am continuing to be schooled in what is that actually experientially and there has been a lot of questioning in me of late of constructs it's like India was really powerful for me I bring it back again I had these experiences where it's like this energy just woke up inside of me and had me questioning so much of what I thought was certain about my beliefs. And I'll try and make it a little more tangible <laughs> so that I'm not just speaking in riddles. Um, <laughs> but if anyone but, can like, do it, I think it's you. <laughs> I appreciate the vote of confidence. <laughs> it's one of Zahara's most magnificent skills is really amplifying what is true, not just like blowing smoke up someone's ass, but you're so such a clear seer, let's use that word, that your capacity to see like laser focus that dojo master, it's like that right there. And then supporting someone energetically to amplify. So together, I believe we can do it. <laughs> so I'll explain experientially what happened to me is I was in a temple and I really didn't have expectations like going to India. I was like, this could be a really profound spiritual experience for me, or it might not be like, I could just have some kind of other experience. I feel like I've, you know, done enough traveling and done enough pilgrimages to know that oftentimes we get the pilgrimages in the places where we don't expect it. And the pilgrimage, you know, and the ceremony actually happens after the ceremony or before or between, or, you know, it's like, I've kind of at least could have a little bit of a light touch on it. 
but I didn't, yeah, I didn't expect to be so deeply moved by what I experienced there. And I was in a temple and what I experienced was a really powerful activation of sexual energy. And what was super interesting for me is at first my Catholic roots kicked in. So funny. It's so deep, man. This programming so deep <laughs> instantly. Oh my gosh, is this okay? Is it okay that I'm feeling this way? Is this appropriate? Whatever that means. And, you know, relatively quickly, I was able to relax into the experience and say, well, it's here. So it's appropriate. <laughs> it's arising inside of me. So, you know, I can fight against all the energy in the universe that is being cultivated to make this moment exactly as it is. So I know how that goes. Cause I try it often. It doesn't usually work out for me <laughs> or I can allow. And for whatever reason, in that moment, I had the resources to allow the experience, which is not always the case. Right. And I do think that in some ways that is a privilege. It's the privilege that our practice gives us to be able to allow in some moments at least. Right. And so I just experienced this, I would say like almost as though I was edging energetically and edging is a practice where for those listening, if you're not sure what that is, you bring yourself, let's say orgasm that as we know it, just kind of a limited de definition of orgasm, but the peaking and spilling of energy, let's say that's a 10. Edging would be you get to a nine, 9.5, 9.8 and try to stay there as long as possible such that the 9.8 kind of turns into an orgasm that's an extended orgasm because it's not spilling over. And now you're in the territory of extended orgasm. And I was experiencing that energetically. And so I just kept saying to myself, is it possible for me to experience this much energy in my body without going rigid and tense? Because that's the difference between panic and orgasm, right? <laughs> a lot of energy, tension, a lot of energy, surrender. And so I was really playing with that energetically whilst also navigating an experience going into another temple and there's hundreds of monks chanting. And of course, that only elevates this orgasmic state even more. And my mentor was laughing at me saying uh, last week, wow, that's a funny scene in a movie. It's not exactly like it's a really sexy necessarily seen, but to me, it was the most energetically arousing experience. And it wasn't even like, it was very erotic energy. I can't describe it any other way. I can't try and like damp it down and say that it wasn't that. It just was very erotic, but it wasn't necessarily that I was like having any kind of like sexual fantasy happening. It was just powerful Shakti, erotic energy that got inside of me or was unleashed from within me. I don't even know the source from which we, who knows um, us, right? But that was quite an experience for me. And that experience had me begin to ask a lot of questions about where does this energy come from? Why are we so afraid of it as a society? Why have I been afraid of this part of myself? Do I, the beliefs that I have around relationships, and containment of this energy and control. And is that love or is it actually fear? All of these questions that I didn't really ask or go looking for to be questioning, <laughs> but that all of a sudden, so much of what I believe about sexuality, love, awakening began to be questioned. Wow. Wow. And so was there a certain thing going into this temple that catalyzed the experience or it just was like emerging out of the nothing? You know, I entered a room. So above the temple was a special room that we were allowed to enter and do a meditation practice in. And I entered at first alone. I was the first person to enter the room. And in the room were all of these lengthy sort of, it's like if you had an A4 piece of paper, it would be like, let's say one eighth of that piece of paper, a small slither of the bottom of that piece of paper, old, old pieces of papers stacked on each other, wrapped in silk that had been smuggled out of Tibet. They were sacred texts that people had risked their lives to preserve this technology that is Tibetan Buddhism that creates in a piece and that, you know, has given the world so much. And most of us who do any personal development world worker in this, you know, new age spiritual movement, there's so much has been laced with this ancient technology, right? It has infused so much of even our daily lives. And just being in that room, as soon as I entered that room with those texts, something 
happened inside of me. Yeah. So it reminds me again of your intention for the year, which is listening. And there's this deep receptivity. It's so wild. There's such power in our intention, the simplicity of that. And when you really track, you know, like you opened your system this year with the intention of receptivity and listening. And then you go into this space and this temple space and there's the intention is operative. So you're in this, I just see you in this like porous space of receptivity, not in effort, totally unattached to this, even being a profound spiritual experience and the receptivity, the openness that is birthed from your intention allows that, which is most true to flow through you as a vessel for what you are to be a conduit of, because as from what I know of you and your coding and who you are, you bring this conduit of pleasure, of opening sexual energy, of working with sexual energy, of being in, in root, you know, your program is called root revolution, right? So like getting literally into the root of things through the penetrating force of life force energy. And in order to be penetrated, we have to be willing to receive. <laughs> and so what is yours to steward from my perspective as a conduit was able to come through you th as a function of your receptivity in the moment. So it's like, there's not like a code or a rule book or a guidebook for how or why this occurred. It's not even like if anyone listening went to India to the same temple and had the same, went to the same room that you would have the same experience. If you open, what I am saying though, is if you open to the depth of your receptivity, and open to the depth of what is yours to receive and what is yours to steward. I really trust that what is yours would come through. Yes. And it's about clearing the vessel, slowing down enough to listen, letting go of attachment to how we think it's supposed to look enough Oof. to not be in the way of what is for you to come through. So this is this erotic, this Eros energy comes through. And I see you, it does kind of feel like a scene in, you know, a funny movie <laughs> or something. You're like, in this, about thousands of months chanting and you're in this like erotic experience. And, and I hear you that it birthed these questions. And so how have you been integrating, like on the other side of this experience, what has been integrating in your system as a function of this experience, what has opened in you? How is it serving, you know, your clients through you? Like what's the why behind this that you've arrived into? Mm, yeah. Just hearing you talk about the simplicity of receptivity felt so moving. I'm like, I could literally weep at the simplicity of just wow. like, you make uh, it so difficult. <laughs> We really do. We're like, we're, there's always something more to get, more to try for, more to prove, more to effort into. And, you know, I want to also bookmark the journey I've witnessed you on since the, over the last few years, since the home you were living in burnt down. And I want to just like point to that because for all of you listening, you know, there's a question of like, these profound moments we have that are like, wow, I had a spiritual awakening in this temple in India. Is that spiritual awakening a function of that moment? Or is it a function of all the moments in the years, all the years and all the yeses and all the no's and all the letting go and all the tears and all of the laughter and all of the practices and all of the, all of the, all of the, that led up to that one moment in that one temple with those scrolls where the receptivity in you was actually a match to the penetrating force of life that wanted to flow through you in that moment. Mm, yes. Yes. I mean, the answer is yes. And I think I just want to say for anyone listening, I, I did not come into this incarnation as a naturally very receptive, slow, deep listening being, you know, my mentor jokes with me, she's like, you're one of the fastest humans I've ever met. I have Coco, one of our best friends sent me a hat recently that says must go faster with a little skeleton riding a motorcycle and flames coming off it. Like it's a, it's been a, a joke that like, for me, that laughing at this part of me, that's been so fast, so good at the trying, the pushing, 
grateful for that part of me, my Lord, it's resilient as fuck. It pushed me through and up hills and through trauma and, and very resilient indeed. But just to say, like, I didn't necessarily come into this lifetime uh, <laughs> really super receptive and in my listening. And, and it has been the most richly rewarding journey of my life to kind of recognize this simplicity that is moving me so deeply in this moment of like, wow, it's just there all along and it's, there's nothing to get. There's, it's just, it's just, listen, <laughs> it's so simple. But what I would say the why to answer your question and circle back of like, how is that showing up for me is, you know, something that came through actually even before India as a question. I'm like, why do we fear the wild when the wild is from where we came? And I've been asking myself this question and, you know, seeing this part of me, which felt it's part of me doesn't even feel right, but let's say the part of me that has previously channeled more of that Eros energy and, you know, care for what you wish for. I began this year with a program called Seductress because that archetype came to me in pleasure practice and said, please clean my name. Please bring like elevate the, you know, my frequency on this planet. Please like do work with me please clear my name and bring me back. It's funny. I'm only realizing that in this moment and making that connection, which seems obvious, but of course, right. (laughs) It always seems obvious once you make the connection, but you know, these little breadcrumbs along the way. And for me, this was a reckoning with that force and to really say like, A, at a deep level, you know, the question that first came through, as I said, is this okay? And, you know, this question we ask, is it, is it okay for me to feel this good? Is it okay for me to feel this good here now? Is me feeling this good, this free, this open, somehow harming someone else? Like all these questions we have around our relationship with this energy. And then the question of, you know, is it okay for me to be this alive in my body and be married and be in relationship? Is it okay for my partner to have this experience? And if there's any part of me that says no, why? And where does that come from? And what does that look like? And, you know, we think about this as like sex, but sex is one way to mediate an energetic process through the physical body. It's a very fun, exciting, wonderful way to do that. But this was so far beyond just like sex or like mentally exploring, you know, the idea of let's say open or poly or whatever that is. It was more about my relationship to this energy and am I really in right relationship with this energy? Like am I who is saying that I'm carrying this energy, that I'm willing to work this energy? I was being initiated, I felt, into like, oh, yeah, you want to work with this energy? Can you hold this? And I want you to bring you face to face with your own fears, your own judgments, your own traumas around being alive with the energy of Eros and wild, primal, fully connected to sacred aliveness, you know, that feels, at least for me, and I think for many women or non binary beings, dangerous. It's like, am I allowed? to be this alive. And I think for many thousands of years on this awakening planet, it, it, and in places still today, we have to honor that, right? Like it is dangerous physically. Look at what's happening in Iran for a woman to be in her Eros. So there's this like very real fear. Like, is this an invitation? And it's not, you know, this is not a fucking invitation. This is an initiation. This is me being alive fully to the extent which we all came to live and experience, men, women, non-binary beings, humans. It's a human experience that is our birthright. And yet somehow, because it's so powerful, we want to contain it. We want to make it dangerous. We want to make it wrong. And then we get in this really distorted, fucked up, weird relationship that most of us have to not just our sexuality. It goes beyond that. It's our aliveness, this eros. Mm. Mm. Wow. I mean, as you're speaking, I got chills multiple times, multiple times. So as you're speaking that, you know, that you mentioned like Eros energy and these like relationship dynamics and how we orient towards sexuality, whether it's, you know, monogamy or polyamory or anything in between. And so 
what are you discovering around embodying your sexual energy and and feeling this erotic relationship with all of life? And then you mentioned in your partner having that experience as well. I know you're engaged and going to be getting married and, you know, you're in a deeply devoted, primarily monogamous relationship or fully, I'm not sure where you guys are at. So I'm curious if we could bring that in and how you're relating to this energy with him and how are you coming into relationship with both devotion and liberated sexual expression and how do those play together? Girl, I've been like, you know, like there's so much, I feel like in there's an uprising in conversations around open relating and polyamory and so many people experimenting in those realms that it almost puts like a, like a shamey thing on, like if you're in devotion or monogamy, that it's not as enlightened or conscious, or you're containing the energy because of fear. But then, you know, it's like, how do you loosen the grips and like allow your energy to flow, but also feel aligned with the energy of holding it as sacred, if that's true for you. But then I feel the part of me that's like, well, someone oriented towards poly or open might be like, well, this is my sacred. This is my version of sacred. So, you know, in like a tangible form of erotic energy, we most usually apply it to our relationship dynamics. And so how does that occurring for you and your partner at this time is more of this eroticism is flowing through you in your life? Are you focusing it mostly in your unit? And what does that look like? I think I'm in the discovery, you know, and for me, what I recognize is that like, as I was having this experience, I was exquisitely grateful for the inner infrastructure that I have because of my devotion to my practice such that I could even hold that energy without allowing it to totally derail me. And like, I had to kind of earn my way into that. And Hey, I could get put on my ass tomorrow. So universe, I say this humbly, but it is my truth. And I'm, I'm going to own that, that I was like, damn, the work is working right now because I am able to hold this in a way that I can stay curious and open and receptive to the experience without getting lost in it, lost in projection, even lost or pulled totally out energetically through fantasy or any of that. I was able to just stay wedded to myself as a human being incarnated in a physical body, having a really powerful experience. And I don't think that I could have done that even a year ago. Like it really, I've had to develop an inner infrastructure. And so what I notice is that this is a really, really tricky, sticky territory. And of course my soul, I love this work. That's why I like sex and death and rebirth and healing and trauma work, because I actually really find that I thrive in, in, I'm highly, highly, a highly sensitive human being. I grew up the, you know, and in an environment where that was a priority. I think I also incarnated with a part of that. That's been a really hard thing for me to deal with at times. It's been very scary for me to be so open energetically and the experiences that I've had through that. So it's not all like sunshine and rainbows. It's been really scary at times to, to have that ability. But the gift within that is this precision of feeling my way through things. And so to be able to keep my eyes wide open in an arena that I see is really tricky and sticky. There are aspects of the self, you know, I want or the manipulation that can come in when we're in dynamics that are a little more, let's say open or fluid and like, you know, NRE and your relationship energy getting swept up in that. And like, can you actually keep it all straight inside of yourself and recognize that every single being alive is just giving you an on-ramp to another part of you. Don't get lost in them, get lost in you, whether it's an energetic process or actually mediating that through the body, through sex, like all of it is leading you deeper into yourself. If you don't have that as a foundational practice, you're going to get very lost very fast, whether you're open, monogamous, poly, whatever. Like if we don't each have and in infrastructure, I think you get lost in love and sex very fast, very easy. And so for me, what I'm seeing it as is at first, just a questioning. All that's happening in my system right now is there's no rush to act. There's just a questioning of what is actually true to me and what have I been assuming? And, and I uncovered a pretty an interesting thought that actually felt quite shameful when I found it at first, because this is the work I do. I work with people who are poly, open, monogamous. Also, I work in love and sex. You know, I guide people to higher states of erotic and 
relational intelligence. So theoretically, I'm, and I think most of my clients would say I'm very non-judgmental. You know, you come into my space, one gift of spending a lot of time visiting immediate family members and mental institutions is that I'm around a lot of incoherence and my capacity to hold that incoherence without judging and to just really keep an open mind, essentially in an open field is a superpower that I gained from that experience. And so I think most of my clients would say, you know, you hold very non-judgmental space, impartial. And yet I can do that with clients. But what I didn't realize is for myself, there was this sneaky little belief of like, yeah, that theoretically makes sense. And, you know, everyone has you know, different desires and needs and different relationship styles can work for anyone depending on their unique come from. It's not about the form. It's about the intention. Like we're talking about, like, what are you really, and you've got to be fucking honest with yourself. What are you really trying to get here? Yeah. Like really be honest. And like that can work. But for me, I was like, yeah, this subtle belief that I uncovered was, but not me because me and Patrick, who we've signed the papers, so we're officially married, but we haven't oh, had the celebration yeah. yet. Yes. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> dropping the bomb. The wedding yet. Wow. <laughs> okay, amazing. So it's a fish. It's a fish. Wow. Yes. Congrats. <laughs> Thanks, baby. Yeah. But it's like that this sneaky belief was, but not us, because we have true love. And I was like, oh, that's a little ugly. I didn't realize that was in there. I was like, wow, that's really. I felt ashamed that I was holding that belief once I discovered it. And I kind of worked through that and I was just like, wow, it's interesting that that's in there. And so I wasn't trying to invite any kind of questioning of this and it just arised inside of me. Like I didn't choose it. I didn't go looking for it. It just kind of came up within me. And so for me, what I'm recognizing is there's nothing I'm trying to get. I'm not trying to push, you know, and I think that can be really manipulative for people. They're like, use this idea of spirituality and not trying to contain as a way to manipulate their partner into doing what they want instead of what their partner truly wants, then you're lacking attunement and you're bringing a lack of safety into the sacred container of your relationship because you aren't willing to own what you really want and just say, Hey, I want to fuck other people. And I don't care about how that makes you feel. So I'm going to use spirituality to manipulate you into getting what I want. Cause that's really what most people are doing. And that may sound judgmental, but if we really ask ourselves, like, come on, that's, that's a lot of it versus, Hey, I actually want to develop true compersion. And I don't know where my limit in this lifetime is for that. And I don't know where I'm at for that currently, but I would like to be able to witness you having experiences, non-sexual, sexual, whatever it is in life, whether I'm present or not. And to genuinely feel this is where I've gotten to oh my God. Awesome. If that's really lighting you up in a clean and clear way and you're straight with it and that I, as someone who is a guardian and ally to your soul can see that for realsies, not just you <laughs> eating, a, eating a cheeseburger and saying, but I'm having a good time. And you're like, well, I mean, it seems that you're, you know, eating seven cheeseburgers. And I don't know if that's really what's good for you. I mean, looking at someone that you love, that you know deeply, and even if it makes you feel a little bit of fear going, wow, you're going on a trip to India by yourself, or you're going to do this, or you want to make out with that person or whatever it is. And you truly, that is going to truly bring you more connected to yourself, more alive in yourself, feel access and on-ramps to parts of you that I simply cannot take you to because it's not my role in this lifetime in the same way, different friendships, different people, whatever it is. And again, whether that's never actually mediated through the physical body and it's an energetic exchange, whether it's not even about another person and it's a trip they go on or an experience they have, like my intention now through this experience is I want to develop genuine compersion and I want my partner to also develop that skill. And I don't want to do a single thing in this lifetime. And, you know, this is where it gets tricky, but ideally, I don't want to do a single thing that you can't genuinely feel fuck yeah, excited for me about. And that therefore we're energetically including one another in the experience. And what I got to with my partner is like, I want to feel like whether, and this is not just sexual, this is just life in general and enjoyment. Because how funny is it how for many of us, it's like, oh, if you're having fun without me, like the contraction that we feel like, why do we do that to each other? I don't, I don't want that energetically. I want to master this in this lifetime. And I may not, but I want to master the ability to be like, whether or not, I am personally benefiting, quote unquote. Can I genuinely develop a skill where A, we maintain connection, 
I'm included energetically where you're saying like, Hey, I'm having this experience. I'm, you know, going skydiving. I'm so excited. You're telling me how you're feeling in your body. You're including me in your experience. I'm feeling so alive. I'm feeling so desired. I'm feeling so excitement. It's such excitement. And then there's gratitude. Thank you, my love. Really appreciate you giving me this gift, this like connection, inclusion, gratitude, such that I can be like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. Like what does that look like? And I don't know the answer, but that's the, th- these are the questions I'm asking. Oh, wow. Well, intention that we set, I'll say check mark because my consciousness just expanded through your transmission. And I just, I feel the depth and the potency of the questions that you're in without putting a lot of pressure on yourself to like be there like wherever there is, because the idea of there is always relative to where we see others and our perceptions and often misperceptions of where we believe or are perceiving another to be like, oh, this person, this is what that relationship template looks like, or this is how their compersion expresses itself. And there's a there to get. And what I really feel in you that I'm appreciating so much is like, you're like, there's an intention but there's not an idea of a there to get. It's like, wow, there's an intention to achieve the felt sense authentically. And I like the language you're using. You're like, yo, if it's, if it's straight, if it's clear, if it's authentic, if it's not seven cheeseburgers, but it's actually benefiting your soul. Like that is an aim I can get on board with, you know, and also the piece around, like, there's nothing you actually want to do from a union template that your partner couldn't authentically experience compulsion for you in if they're, if they're in their stretch zone and they're willing and they're doing it and they're not experiencing compersion, you trust your partner enough and the intelligence of their system enough to put a break on it and look and be like, is this actually serving the highest? Because if we are intending to go into a union template, it's moving from the me to a we. Now, often we have to move from we orientation, like more codependent orientation where we lose ourselves in relational dynamics to the me orientation, which is like the internal structure you're talking about that any relationship that I am engaging with is actually creating an on-ramp for me to learn more about myself. So it's about actually dismantling the idea that you're losing self in relationship dynamics, but actually releasing yourself from that, coming into independent sovereignty, trusting your own internal structure so that everything that you're experiencing outside of yourself is only informing more of your own individuated clarity, essentially you learning more about you. But then from there, what I find for myself as well is like, oh, I don't want to do it alone. And also I'm not alone ultimately at the highest level. And at that point you become a receptive space for union, whether it's union in shared leadership in business or union in romantic partnership or anything else you can think of. The desire most often in the human experience, you know, two thirds of the stars above are twin stars, right? As above, so below. So I believe at minimum as above, so below two thirds of the human beings on the planet are wired for the desire to be in like union templates, like not here to do it really, really alone. Yes. And even the ones that are one third single stars, it's you're still in an interdependent constellations. Yeah. You're in the constellation. You're in that interdependence with the entirety of the constellation, with the air that you're breathing with you're in relationship to it all. And so then we come into right relationship with it all. And so we can be in the most expanded version of that. Or then we come down to the like minute of it, which is like your husband. Oh, this is my twin star and my devotion extends to our union and what works for this unit is my yes. And that includes all of him and all of me. And I just vibe with that so hard. And part of that is the compersion because if without the compersion, it's just all of you. Yes. And it's not real. If your, if your partner is withstanding something because you've talked them into it, or they feel like they just should be able to hold it, which happens a lot in the spiritual community. Well, I just should be okay with this, but I'm not actually okay with this. Like that's just going to create cracks in your relationship. You're getting a short-term gain for a long-term loss versus going slow enough to actually 
for me, my only intention right now is that me and my partner are in the questioning together of like, what brings aliveness in any moment? Can we actually share transparently? Like, wow, I'm experiencing more aliveness based on this food, this person, this connection, this view. Like, can we actually just share honestly? And then can each of us be in the questioning of like, okay, I might feel threatened by that. Is that actually threatening me? Is that actually threatening our relationship? Sometimes the answer might be yes. You might be like, that's not a safe person, place, view, or plate of food for me. And that is real. And I'm going to share that transparently. And then having, you know, the wherewithal as a we, as you say, to go, well, I really want to eat this cheeseburger, but I'm hearing that this is not a safe cheeseburger for my partner. And so do I really need a fucking cheeseburger or can I just not eat the cheeseburger? No, you don't. I don't need a cheeseburger. You know, I'm not willing to eat a cheeseburger at the cost of my beloved. Like that's just, that's not going to fly. But then there might be other times where you're like, well, this plate of spaghetti, actually the partner says, hmm, you know, a part of me thinks I shouldn't let you eat that plate of spaghetti. But if I really question it, I don't actually have a problem with it. Yeah. Society does. My parents do. My Catholic roots do. But like, I kind of want to eat, watch you eat that spaghetti. (laughs) (laughs) What do I actually, it's just the questioning. Like, what do I, what do I actually want? What do you actually want moment to moment, which requires so much more presence, connection, honesty, all the things that I actually want to master in this lifetime are required tenfold rather than creating some kind of fake template rule book that there's always going to be an exception to. So for me, I'm just in this, like this state of questioning and desiring like very transparent, honest communication and to create more and more space for myself and my partner to be really honest about what makes us feel alive. That is Eros. Why are we so afraid of our partner feeling alive in something that isn't totally connected or dependent on us. Because ultimately, like if I ask myself, do I actually want that? Do I actually want my partner's aliveness to be dependent on me? No, that sounds so not sexy. It sounds like a lot of pressure. It sounds like draining, you know, do I want my partner's aliveness to thrive and sometimes include me? Yeah. Yeah. Do I want to actually include myself? Here's the next level for me. Do I want to include myself in my partner's aliveness in all stages and phases? Yeah. I want to get to that place where I'm like, your aliveness, if it's genuine, if it's clean, clear, and true, does not actually threaten me. But there's the tricky, sticky nuance that most people don't have the genuine inner infrastructure to actually dance with which is, can I be fucking honest with myself if I'm just trying to get something and eat the cheeseburger and manipulate you and get what I want and blah, 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 all the shadowy shit that comes up in sex and love? Or am I genuinely feeding my soul and my aliveness? And you know, where do I take a stand and say, hey, my love, this is actually a need for me. This is actually true for me. This is actually feeding my soul. It doesn't threaten you. I love you. I choose you. I'm devoted to you. Or can I be honest with myself that this isn't feeding my soul? This is actually just really shadowy bullshit. And I think that's where most people get stuck. Mm. Uh, damn, damn, (laughs) breathe that in for a second. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So you're speaking a lot about this internal infrastructure and I'm curious if you can speak to the mechanics of that. And it reminds me a lot, you know, I I keep thinking the word boundaries, like there's an energy of like an internal boundary. There's always the polarity, the equal and opposite, like to be able to expand out and as wide, as far as the room, the city, the planet and feel it all. There's also like, we need to know where, where we end and someone else begins. We need to know that we can actually trust ourselves. And a lot of what you're saying is like, no, yes. And know what that is. And Recently, I've actually experienced my own significant expansion around boundary setting and feeling where it's not only about setting the boundary, but it's about valuing yourself enough to hold the boundary and what it actually takes to hold the boundary because we can have on a conceptual level, some like an idea or like, I know I deserve more than this, or I know this is what I really want. So you like set the boundary from that conceptual knowing but it actually requires an embodied sense to hold a boundary and not suffer through the holding of that boundary, but actually just have it landed in your system. Like this is my boundary and I know it and I don't question it. 
And that to me feels like the internal infrastructure that you're speaking of. So can you speak a little bit into that? How did that internal infrastructure develop? Like, what did you go through in terms of releasing the old infrastructure and developing this new one to where I really hear that in India, most recently, you arrived in a moment where the thing is operative, where you're like, oh, wow, the work is working. Mm -hmm. How did we get there? I honestly think it's any kind of awareness practice done consistently over time. Like you don't get to skip that work. You just have to have a daily practice, some kind of an awareness practice, because then what that gives you, the inner infrastructure that results in that, like when I'm hearing you talk about that boundary, like what comes through to me is that if you actually understand the boundary and it makes total sense to you for realsies, not the boundary you think you should have, not the boundary society says you should have, but you're like, I, this boundary, I have questioned it. It is held up to the pressure test of my own curiosity and awareness. It makes sense to me. I understand it. That's embodied. That's a boundary. You're like, this is my boundary. And I've questioned it. I've looked at it. I didn't just like pull it out of my ass and say, this is what I think I should want and and how I think you should behave. And I'm going to get really rigid about it and dig my heels in, but I don't really understand why. So it's totally built on a house of cards. It's like, huh, I'm having this feeling. Why am I having that feeling? Where does that come from? How does that relate to the experiences that I've had and the soul that I feel? And like, why does this no or yes make sense to me? And if I know that, like I always say to my clients, most people don't know themselves well enough to truly love themselves well. And it's like that inner infrastructure for me is a place of genuine curiosity. Because if you are genuinely curious because you have a daily practice of self-awareness, of questioning, of inquiry, that curiosity, which each of us can develop, will lead to compassion. It will naturally arise. If you understand something truly, you will naturally have compassion for and be connected to that thing. And for me, that's the most powerful place of influence. We think that control, grasping is the thing that influences the most. That's what we're taught through our society, right? But it's actually connection and compassion creates the greatest influence. Like a tangible example of that. If you have a really mean, strict like fear-based teacher, you're going to do what they say, but as soon as they turn around, you're going to try to get around them and do something else. If you have a teacher that is like loving and stays connected to you and gets on your level and says, I know this is hard, but I expect you to do this and I'm here to help you until you do. And like gives you the gift of trust and responsibility and love. We behave very differently. Like connection is the greatest influencer. And so for us to be, have this inner infrastructure of connection to self and to all our different parts through inquiry, So an awareness practice where we're actually watching ourselves that we develop the capacity to even witness what's happening inside of us. There's the awareness piece. You don't get to skip that. That just comes from practice. There's no way around it. There's literally no way around it. And then from that, I think from awareness, curiosity arises naturally. And then from curiosity, compassion arises naturally. Now we're feeling connected and now we're powerful. You know, and these, it's so interesting because we don't even have to do anything. Like if we just sit still and get quiet and create awareness, all of the other steps, curiosity, compassion, connection, and power arise naturally. Like they just happen. We don't have to actually do anything. So I think what I recognized in myself and what I realized as very important was A, okay, I need to recognize that I'm noticing a part of me seeing this desire, seeing these feelings as wrong and bad. I questioned that. Is that true? What I realized is no. At the base of it, our desire, our eros, our life force energy is very innocent. And that's what I want to restore in myself and others through this work is this erotic wholeness, this erotic innocence. When we come back that our desires, you know, when I'm saying they're true and clean, what do I mean by that? Like at their very base and core, without the lens of distortion, they're so innocent. And so when you feel the innocence of that and you can carry in your heart, like there is no thought or feeling that is wrong or bad. You can act on thoughts and feelings that might be outside of alignment, but every thought and feeling, none of it is bad. And when we can hold that space of acceptance and innocence around our own desires, something pretty magic happens. And then the other thing is like not getting lost in the external, which is just a game of life anyway. But when you add in sex, money, drugs, rock and roll, anything like that, it's a little harder to keep your center and say, this isn't about this thing, this person, this substance. This is about me, what I'm accessing inside of myself. And I'm not going to get lost in you, in them, in the fantasy, in the drugs, in the external. I'm going to call my power back and remember that this is an experience being mediated through me. I'm the source. I'm the source. I'm the source. And if we're really connected to that, 
then we can stay connected to our partners and, and still be in that sort of, as you're saying, like the union blueprint, because it's like, even if I was to have an experience or my partner was to have an experience again, whether it's sexual, non-sexual, but some kind of elevated, erotically charged, enlivened, whatever it is, experience, they could come home and say, wow, I mediated this experience through me. And this is what I'm noticing about myself and what it's bringing alive inside of me. And I can stay included in that. You don't have to then exclude me from it. But this infrastructure that I'm noticing inside of me, this conditioning that I was recognizing is that these weird stop barriers that we put in, that's like, I'm allowed to feel this much aliveness with you, but then I'm not allowed to feel that much aliveness and you have to be included in it. And if you're not, then it's secret. And then I should shove it down. And it's like all these weird internal traps and barriers instead of just being in the innocence of our desires and the transparency of really sharing that. Honestly, it takes a lot of courage. That takes a lot of courage. And it also builds self-trust everything you're naming, like the simplicity of connection with self, with other, staying in connection with your own awareness around what's true for you in any moment and speaking that and owning that and holding that, that's your infrastructure. That is your internal infrastructure. The boundaries that you set is only a reflection of the truth of your own internal infrastructure. And if the truth of your own internal infrastructure is being expressed, it has to also reflect the truth that's the best and the highest for everyone. But in order to know whether it's a truth that's being expressed and you're setting a boundary from a truth, or are you setting a boundary from a fear or a lack or a control? That's when we run into sticky points because it will not be an alignment for the highest for the other person necessarily if it's coming from a fear or a control in you. And so and the- even then, just name it. Yeah. Like if you can just say, hey, I'm not at a place where I'm yet able to set a boundary from compersion. I'm actually setting this boundary from fear, but I see that it's from fear and That's I'm willing it. to work with it. That's it. Can, that- can you help me? That's it. That's it. And the energy of willingness is the essential ingredient to make any relationship work. If the mutual willingness isn't there, that's when things can fall apart and are meant to, right? So it's just that the deepest ask is willingness. And then if you're being met with someone who's willing and does exactly what you just said, Angel, then on the other side of it, it's like, is the love you know, the roots of the love deep enough to say, amazing, I can be patient with you along your journey, however long it takes. And it's the willingness itself is the ingredient that I need. That's it. Yes. Like, that's it. It's so powerful. And that's stimulating soul growth, which is from my perspective, the deeper the intention point. of even being in relationship is like, if we're actually being honest now, then we're not just in this like sleepness, weird thing where we just like cut ourselves off from the waist down or from the waist up or from whatever energy and say like, let's just go into sleepness together. And instead, wherever you're at, whatever your boundaries are at, you're just telling the fucking truth. This is what scares me. This is how I actually feel. This is what I actually desire. And now we can actually grow. Now we can actually use our container to work together and say, interesting, tell me more about that fear. Tell me more about what feels threatening about this to you. I want to know, like, let me see you. And that, you know, choosing to reveal instead of conceal, as soon as we conceal, we're taking a step back from the relationship. And most of us, you know, are doing that. And what I realized after India is like, I didn't even know it was so unconscious I had hidden this part even from myself access to this aliveness because it was so scary and didn't feel like it could fit within the container of my relationship. It would somehow threaten it. And none of that is true. What I'm finding is it is it awakening the consciousness and the potential of my relationship and my own soul and my partner's soul and like love, connection, honesty, if those are truly my values and growth, which my partner and I put as number one, like, you know, then we get to actually live into that experientially, not just conceptually. Oof. Wow. Thank you for the incredible (laughs) transmission that you are. And by the way, everyone, this is just kind of hanging out with Angel in general is what just happened. (laughs) So like whether we're having a dinner moment or just like meeting for tea, she and I usually vortex for at least an hour. So that was like being a fly on the wall just for the really truly walking transmission and, and medicine that you are. And thank you. I feel like we could go on for hours and hours and hours and we definitely will have this woman on the podcast again so that we can do exactly that. And for now, I feel like, wow, that is so much medicine to digest and to integrate and integration is important. 
you know, to really feel, feel the, you know, the medicine around stillness and silence and receptivity and what's actually required to arrive in a place in your life where you're actually receptive to the living transmission that wants to flow through you in every moment. What needs to be that's actually a protection and untrue that needs to be dismantled inside of you in order to create the space for the receptivity of your truth, the conduit that you are for that which is meant to flow through you to be received in the moment that it's most alive. You know, and I know for Angel and I both the last several years have, we're speaking so much about the like the leading edge of the aliveness and the receptivity and the, the it being online. And I also just want to name that there's been a lot of dismantling over the last last three years, right? Like for both of us, you know, I witnessed Angel's physical world reality go through a complete burn down, literally, you know, in a resurrection out of the flames into an entirely new reality in life. And so there's often as we dismantle our internal structures that came from fear and control and lack, the external reality we created from those structures of fear and control and lack will often have to go through a major transformation or burn down or dismantling. And that's the energy of the Phoenix. And we both walk with that energy a lot. And we're, we're becoming more graceful in the natural life cycles, you know, that come with this type of energy, the Scorpionic Phoenician walk, you know, and I really feel the fruitfulness that you're experiencing now as a function of the dismantling. Cause you're talking about the infrastructure that's in and strong now. Well, that infrastructure has come online in truth in the place of an infrastructure that was outdated, that was no longer in alignment, that was coming from energies that are actually not the truth of you and witnessing that process of dismantling in order for you to recreate yourself over this last, specifically the last like year and a half, your journey has been so incredible to witness you recreate yourself from complete blank slate into engaged, getting married now, and I will be at the wedding live. So <laughs> I was like, wait, you guys got married. It didn't happen yet. But like literally, you know, signing the papers, getting married, energetically anchoring that in, mm-hmm. right? creating a new home for yourself in a new city, a new physical, you just moved into a new home, like your physical world reality is reflecting now the new infrastructure that that you've created. And I just feel like yes. that's important to name for everyone. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm excited. Forgive me. But I, and here's the key I want to say is that life has been strict with me on alignment. And I think life is strict with all of us on alignment. And time and time again, I would try to put a brick down, try again, put a brick down, try again, put a brick down. And I wasn't listening. I was continuing to try and put these bricks down and this structure down and create this life through control. And it would get knocked down and knocked down, try again, try again, until I started listening. Where does the brick need to go? And when life move me, love, please, like the prayer from Course in Miracles, divine love, guide me today, show me where to go, show me what to do, show me what to say and to who. Until I actually started listening, life was not clicking in for me. Was it beautiful, wild, surprising adventure? Yes, but it was a fucking struggle and it would it would get knocked down again and again. And you know what? Thank God. I don't want to be rewarded for being out of alignment. That wouldn't make sense. There's no intelligence in that. So I'm grateful and thank you for putting that, that forward. Like, yes, those listening, like, I have been pushed down many times and had things disintegrate, thankfully, because they weren't right. And I wasn't listening. I wasn't moving in the direction of life force energy, life, love in full expression. And when I started to listen and put that central to everything else, it is like magic. And it was always wanting to happen through me and for me and with me. And I was always supported and guided. I just wasn't fucking listening. (laughs) Well, chills again, chills. So here's to listening more deeply. And thank you all for listening and receiving this episode at the depth that you are. And Angel, your presence truly is such an invitation toward liberation and eroticism and truth. 
And I'm so grateful to walk this life with you in all the ways that we do. I'd love for you to share where everybody, where can we find you? <laughs> <laughs> where the hell? On the interwebs, on the yes. internet. My husband always jokes, where did I find you when I'm being particularly weird? And I look at him and say, on the internet. Um, <laughs> so you can come listen to my podcast. It's called Awakened Love. Zahara has an episode on there and we're going to be having another episode very soon. So come find us there. And I'm on Instagram, Angelica Alana. Get ready for lots of A's, A-N-G-E-L-I-K-A-A-L-A-N-A. <laughs> Yes, I highly recommend. I don't even need to recommend it at this point. You know where to go. Go find this woman on all her channels. And with that, we're going to land the ship with so much gratitude and an invitation to integrate the medicine that just came through. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll see you next time. Thank you all for creating this space to receive this transmission and for having the courage that it takes to live your life beyond the edge. If you feel the call to go deeper with me privately or explore the dojo ecosystem, the best place to start is by visiting zaharazimring.com and taking your free micro dojo. You can also find me on Instagram at zaharazimring and I love hearing from you guys. So feel free to send me messages, make comments, and I will absolutely get back to you. I also would deeply appreciate if this episode or any of these episodes have touched your heart. Leave a review as it really supports this show in touching more hearts and more lives all around the world. Thank you for joining and I'll see you next time.